Notice in verse uh, 3 of John chapter 14, it says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The title of my message today is, There is only one way. There is only one way. There is only one way to heaven. And the concept of there being only one way to heaven is a very controversial one today that often offends many people. Because when, when you say that Jesus is the only way to heaven, it's often interpreted as you think you're right and everyone else is wrong. Isn't that how we've kind of been programmed to think? All right, and let's not pretend here today. All right, we're in church. Let's just be real. But you know what? We've all let a lot of our culture rub off on us. We've let a little the, a bit of the brainwashing affect us that we've received from Hollywood and the news media and things like that. And we do. We know how we're supposed to think and how we're supposed to respond and just be respectful to everything, even if it's dead wrong. And we've all been affected by that a little bit. And so whenever you do, whenever you start saying Jesus is the only way to heaven... You know, a lot of times people get sensitive about that because they know it's offensive. But the thing is, it's the truth. And we can't sugarcoat the truth. We're not going to help anybody with that. But whenever you start talking about Jesus Christ being the only way to heaven, the reason many people get offended is because you're often seen as condemning entire nations, entire cultures of people. And that especially looks bad, all right? And I'm not, I'm not trying to be controversial today, but it really looks bad... When you say Jesus is the only way, when it's seen as condemning a group of people that look different than you. Alright? And that's where we get real sensitive, alright? Am I making everybody uncomfortable yet? Alright? That's just how we've been programmed to be this way. You know, and if you do, if you're, if you're, if you do that, I mean, you're, you're seen as racist. You're called a racist. But I'm going to show you in this message that Jesus being the only way to heaven, first off, there's no way around that. But I also want to show you there is absolutely no reason anyone should be offended by that. I mean, if you are the most racially sensitive person in the world, you should not be offended by that statement. If you are, you know, if you, this should not be offensive, but unfortunately it is because we have let people who are false prophets, we've let people who are liars just convince us that speaking certain truths means something that it doesn't mean. And so I want, I want to show you what the Bible actually teaches on this subject. And you'll see there's, you should not be offended by this. This is not, uh, we're not being racist in teaching this. And this is, this is not my culture versus your culture. This is not a white versus black or anything like that. That's, that's not it. But we've been programmed to always look at race, to always look at gender with everything. And we've been trained to be very sensitive about these things. You know, the brainwashing, it's made us... You know, it's programmed us to the point that, you know, the things that should be offensive often aren't. The things that should be offensive often are very offensive to people. You know, and so I, I think a good way to illustrate this too, just kind of how people are and how we think when it comes to different sensitivities. Some of you might know who Anthony Bourdain is. He's with CNN and he did something a while back where he was going to all these different parts of the world and uh, doing things with all these different cultures. And when he was in Thailand... He ate, you know, a lot, it upset a lot of people because he ate brains and blood. And people were like, you know, how could he do that? 
Well, here's how come Anthony Bourdain did that. Because, you know, Anthony Bourdain, one, he works for CNN. He is, you know, very liberal and all that. And it, he felt justified in doing it because it was his way of respecting that other culture. But that other culture, the reason he felt justified in respecting that other culture is because that other culture looked different than him. Okay? Now think about, do you think Anthony Bourdain would have ate brains and blood if it had been some, you know, backwoods white redneck saying this is what I did? He'd be like, yeah, all right, you're crazy. You know, we have, we have no problem offending people that look like us. All right. But when they don't look like us, all of a sudden we get real sensitive. And the truth is, I don't care who offers it to you. You shouldn't eat brains and eat blood. All right. That's just gross. That's just wrong. And I don't care what culture serves that to me. I'm not going to eat it. I've not got to travel the world too many places. But when I went to Israel, I thought their food was gross and I just didn't eat it most of the time. I mean, I lost weight when I was in Israel because the food was so bad. I'm not I'm not lying. It, the food was not good over there. I didn't like it. And if I don't like it, I don't eat it. And that's just, that's just how I am. I can't help it. But um, let me turn over to Romans chapter 3. I'm going to show you from Romans, just from Romans 3 and a few other passages how the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven is in no way one culture versus another culture. All right. But before we get to Romans chapter 3, let me show you a few verses from Romans chapter 2 just to kind of see some things that were... Uh, it, that kind of leads into Romans chapter 3. Notice what it says in Romans chapter 2, verse 11. Because when you say Jesus is the only way to heaven, there's people that will call you racist. There are people that, you know, you're condemning all these cultures. What about these people in other parts of the world? They have never heard the name of Jesus. Okay? I know all the arguments. I, I've, I've heard it all. all right? And let me show you, because the Bible addresses these things. But look what it says in Romans 2, verse 11. It says, For there is no respect of persons with God. Right there, it shows, uh, you know, when, when it comes to God, he doesn't care, you know, race or anything like that. That's something Americans are obsessed with. All right. That is uh, Americans. We are obsessed with race and we've got to get over it. We have just got to get over it. We think Christians would be able to get over it if anybody could. But we are. It's just an American thing. Look at what he says in verse 12. It says, for as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. As, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law are justified. Right here, he's dealing with some culture, one culture versus another culture thing. Because people thought that way in the Bible too. And it was wrong thinking. And so you had one group, the Jewish people who had the law of God. You had another group, the Gentiles, who did not have the law of God. And so you would see that and it's like, okay, we've got a different culture here. So therefore, you know, things are different. The Jews have an advantage because of the fact they were given the law. And Paul's going to deal with that here in the next chapter. But what he's trying to show here is he's like, listen, while you all are seeing this as one culture versus another culture, one culture having an advantage over another culture, let me show you what God sees. First off, God is no respecter of persons. And you know what he said? Those who have sinned with the law... In other words, Jews who knew the law of God and he sinned, you know what? They're going to be judged in the law. But those who are without law, the Gentiles who didn't know the law of God, who have sinned too, they're going to be judged without the law. You know what he's saying right there? Either way, in the end, both groups have sinned. Both groups need a Savior. God's going to judge them the same way. You know why? Because there's no respect of persons with God. 
doesn't matter what culture you're from. Whether you come from a religious culture, whether you come from a non-religious culture. Did you know religious people need saved too? Because religious people have sin. There are many religious people who have not put their faith and trust for their salvation in the work of Jesus Christ. They are trusting in their good works. And those people are just as lost as somebody in some other country who's never heard the gospel. A religious person who has never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and received the free gift is just as lost. And they're going to go to the same hell that a person in another country is going to go to. There is no difference. Because you know why? Not the hearers of the law are justified, but the doers. But you know what? Do we have any doers here? All right, don't raise your hand because I guarantee you, you know, you might think you're doing the law, but you know what? Y'all are transgressors too because Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some of you might be doing better than some other people. Some of you might not have committed some of the sins that people in these heathen cultures have committed. But guess what? You've committed sin. Therefore, you're going to be judged but the same way they are, and you're in trouble. Verse 25 in Romans says, For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Did you know that you're supposed to go to church? But if you go to church and yet you've sinned in some other area, did you know you're a breaker of the law? And that going to church isn't going to do you a bit of good when it comes to getting to heaven. You might think, I'm a good person, I'm going to go to heaven, I go to church. But wait a minute, have you ever told a lie before? Because the Bible says all liars are going to have their part in the lake of fire. Have you ever lost your temper before? Have you ever done anything dishonest? Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours? I mean, I could just go down a list of sins that I'm pretty sure probably everybody in here has committed. And you, and you say, well, no, I'm good. I've been baptized, or I've done this, I've done that. But you know what? You've also done other things that are bad. Therefore, you are a sinner. Therefore, you are a transgressor of the law. And all that church attendance you're doing, if you're going to church so you can go to heaven, guess what? That little lie you told, that, little, that one time you lost your temper, it just canceled out all that church going that you did. Because you're a sinner and you now have come short of the glory of God. Circumcision only profits, he's saying, if you keep the whole law. And you know what? Going to church is only going to profit you if you keep the entire law. And guess what? Nobody has done that. The only person ever kept the entire law was Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 29, verse 28, he says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. He's saying you're not a Jew because of things you do outwardly. You're a Jew because of something that you do inwardly. And it is a faith thing. When you trust in Jesus Christ, we receive His righteousness. And you know what? What does that mean? It means Jesus Christ did keep all the laws. You know Jesus Christ was circumcised in the eighth day? Jesus' parents gave the offerings that they were supposed to give for a male child that was born. Jesus Christ... He went and they'd offered the sacrifices, the things they were supposed to do for him. Jesus was obedient to all the laws. He kept the feast. He did it all. He never sinned one time. And then Jesus Christ became the sacrifice for sins. Jesus Christ, he was the Lamb of God. He was slain. He paid for the sins of the whole world. And because he did that, the Bible says, if we will receive him, we get imputed righteousness. In other words, we get credited for what Jesus Christ did. So now I cannot be condemned by the law of God 
Because of the fact Jesus Christ paid for that sin. And how did I get that? How did I get that salvation? I got it by faith, by believing on Him, by trusting on Him, by asking for it. He gave that to me. And I now have His righteousness. So look at verse 1 of chapter 3. So you see, people often perceive someone being from a Christian culture as having an advantage. And you know what? We do have an advantage. In fact, I'll, go, I'll say too, I think I was very advantaged when it came to getting saved because of the fact I, not only did I grow up in a Christian home, my dad was a Baptist preacher. I mean, I, I grew up in church. I grew up around the gospel. That is an advantage. However, let's, let's see what the Bible says about those who have advantage. It's interesting. It says in verse 1, it says, What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way chiefly, because unto them were committed the oracles of God. He's saying here, they had a great advantage. And people do. They'll see the advantage maybe one culture has over another culture, and we get all bent out of shape by that. We think, you know what? Well, God wasn't being fair. You know, God was, you know, did this for this culture and he didn't do this for this other culture. You know, I, you know, naturally more of them are going to get saved in some other culture. God's not being fair. That's how we often think in our minds. But let's remember his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He knows a lot more than we do. Okay. And his ways are righteous and holy. Ours aren't. Okay. But let's, let's read a little bit more. And see a little more what he uh, says on here. Well, turn over to Romans chapter 9. Jump over to chapter 9. We see here in Romans 9 that salvation, I mean, it was made for the Jews. It says in verse 3, Paul's talking, he said, For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption. In other words, it was made for them. Right? And the glory, the covenants, and the giving of the law and service of God and the promises... Whose are the fathers, and of whom it's concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all. God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God has taken none effect. He's saying here in this passage, the word of, first off, the word of God was given to him. As far as people in the flesh, Jesus Christ came for them. These laws, these covenants, they were made for them. I mean, man, these people, they had a big advantage. But notice what he said in verse 6. He said, but not as though the word of God has taken none effect. Why would he say that? You know why he's saying that? Because for the most part, the Jews did not get saved. For the most part, these people who had all the advantages, most of them were not saved. And so he says in this passage, even though it was made for them and it's concerning the flesh, it was all about them. It's not as though the word of God has taken none effect because people look at that and think, well, it didn't work. Salvation didn't work. Yeah, God did all these things for them, but it didn't do any good because they didn't receive it. As a whole, they rejected it. So look at what, look at what Paul says here in verse 6. He says, Not as though the word of God taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise at this time. I will come and Sarah shall have a son talking about Isaac. Isaac was the child of the promise. And all, the Bible teaches in Galatians 4.28 that we are as Isaac. We are the children of promise. Why? Because of faith. All right. Because of faith. Not because of advantage. Not because of the law. 
Not because of anything like that, but because of faith. What gets a person saved is simple, childlike faith in Jesus Christ. Not going to church, not keeping the law, not getting baptized, not being a good person. None of those things get you saved. Simple, childlike faith in Jesus Christ will get you saved. And Jesus said, except you come to me as a little child, you're not going to be saved. That's what, Je- that's what Jesus Christ said. And so right here, this salvation that we, that we teach, it was, it was made for the Jews, but in the end, the advantage didn't help them because they didn't have any faith. He says in verse 30, if you jump there in chapter 9, what shall we say then that the Gentiles which follow not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith, but Israel which followed after the law of righteousness hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, what he's saying right here, it was the Jews that were looking for righteousness. And it was the Gentiles who weren't. We can compare this today to people in church. Do you realize the people that are, I mean, 99% of people that are sitting in churches today, do you realize they're sitting in church, they're trying to do right? Many of these people are trying to do right so they can get to heaven. Here they are, they're trying to earn heaven. They're trying to be good. They're trying to keep the law. That's what the Jews were trying to do. But Paul said they didn't get it. But the Gentiles who weren't looking for righteousness, they weren't even looking for it. They weren't even trying. They weren't doing the sacrifices. They weren't keeping any of these things. The Bible says they received the righteousness that is of faith. The righteousness that would get you to heaven. You know why they received it? Because they sought it by faith and not by the works of the law. The Jews did not get it because they sought it by the works of the law. And let me tell you something. Yes, there is an advantage to people who grow up in church and are around the Word of God. But do you realize that for the most part, people who grow up in church today, people who grow up around in Christian cultures, most of them are just like the Jews and they're trying to get to heaven through being good. They're not going after... They're, they're not going after the righteousness, which is of faith. They're all thinking, what can I do? What can I do to earn salvation? What good thing must I do? And so even though they're at an advantage, as far as we can see, we see in the Bible the people who are more likely to get it are the ones who are not looking for it. Okay? And church isn't the problem, right? You say, well, we should all just stop going to church. All right? No, that's not the problem. The problem is, you know, what you, need, what you need to do is you need to go to church, do good, but you have faith too. You need to go to church, but not let it make you think that you earned heaven because of it. Not get a superior attitude because that's what the Jews were doing. And so then here come these Gentiles. These Gentiles come along. They, you know, they're not good people. They didn't have a lot of the morals the Jews had. They didn't have a lot of the customs. Of, you know, they had a lot of just, you know, dirty practices. You know, some of them probably ate brains and drank, you know, drank blood and stuff like that. They probably did some of those disgusting things. And then here these savages come along and they hear the gospel that Jesus Christ paid for all of their sins and that God loves them. He paid for their sins and He wants to give them a free gift of eternal life. And you know what? Those people believed it. And it made this religious crowd that's working for their salvation, it made them mad. It made them jealous. And they're like, there's no way those people are going to heaven and we're not. But the thing that the religious people missed is that while they saw themselves as righteous, they never saw themselves the way God saw them, and that was as a sinner. 
as a sinner that was just dirty and unclean. We don't often see ourselves as that. We think because we dress up and we put on a suit and tie and we show up at church, we took a shower, we think we're pretty good because of that. But let me tell you something. If we were ever in the presence of a holy God, we wouldn't think that about ourselves. It's real easy while we're surrounded by each other to think we're good. But you get close to God, that's the last thing that's going to be on your mind. And the truth is, religious people are the hardest people to get saved. When we go out soul winning, the religious people are the hardest people to get saved. The people who know the Bible stories. Why? You know what? Because they can't, they just can't, they can't seem to have that faith. They're just convinced it's by works. They're convinced that their church attendance that they've done for years and years. I talked to a guy yesterday. He, he's an older fellow, probably, 60, or probably in his 70s. And he said that you know he's been going to the same church since he was born. He said, I just got back from my church doing work. They're renovating there and he's doing all this work at the church. And I, you know, I asked him if, if he knew he was going to heaven. And he said, well, you know, I, I don't think anybody can really know for sure. He said, you know, and he said, I think that eventually I will go to heaven, but I'll probably have to do some time in purgatory. That's what he told me. And I told him, I said, well, listen, I said, you know, you've ever seen what the Bible says about it? You realize Jesus paid for all of your sins. I said, he paid for all your sins so you wouldn't have to do, you know, any time in purgatory or hell. Or anything. I said, I said, you don't have to do anything. He paid for all of your sins. He made, he made full payment. And he didn't want to talk about that. Here's the guy thinking, I'm going to have to do time in purgatory. I don't know how bad purgatory is supposed to be. I don't believe in purgatory. But I've heard it's not very good. But I'm thinking, here's a guy saying, I will probably have to do time in purgatory. And here somebody comes along and tells him, hey, let me show you from the Bible. You won't have to do any time. Anywhere. And I mentioned too, the Bible teaches to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. He doesn't want to hear about that. Listen, if I, if you just, if I thought I was going to do time in prison and somebody came along and said, Hey, I think I can get you out of it. Man, I'm all ears. I'm dropping whatever I'm doing and I'm going to listen unless I just, I don't believe that. And that's the truth. They, this man did not believe the gospel. He did not believe that what Jesus Christ did was full payment for his sin. He did not believe that. And that right there, the Bible says, he that believeth not is condemned already. The Bible says, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So, you know, that, this, that religious people are the hardest ones. But look at verse 3 of Romans chapter 3. It says, for what if some did not believe, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, yea, let God be true. And every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy things, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. This is in no way one man versus another man. This is in no way a one culture versus another culture. Because what did God say? Let God be true, and every man a liar. Okay? This is man versus God. This is not white people versus black people. This is not, you know, the church versus, you know, the Jews. This is not, this is man versus God. Let God be true and every man a liar. What does that mean? What do we do then? Well, the truth is, you can go talk to a lot of different people and they'll give you a lot of different ways to go to heaven. So who do we listen to? We listen to the word of God. We go to what the Bible says. And that's why when we go out sold and we give the gospel, we give people scripture. 
I don't want people thinking this is, hey, this is just what the Baptists teach. No, this is from the Word of God. This is what the Bible teaches. This is, explains how we get to heaven. We're going to be judged according to the Word of God when we get to heaven. We're going to be judged according to what the Bible says, not what the Baptist, you know, our, our church constitution says, not what the Baptists or the Episcopalians or anybody else says. It's going to be off what the Bible says. And the Bible makes it very clear. It's by faith. How is that? One culture versus another culture. Let God be true and every man a liar. It's, this, is, this is man versus God. All right? And we're all, you know, if we're not following the Word of God, okay, then we are all on one team, no matter what we call ourselves. All right? and, we're all, and we're all wrong if we're going against God. So free self, eternal salvation, it's not saying that we're free to just do whatever we want. Because this is what we're always accused of. Look what it says in verse 5. It says, But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what should we say then? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto His glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. He said there's people that are slanderously saying, you know, let us do evil that good may come. People often accuse us of that too when we're teaching a salvation that's without works. A salvation that doesn't require you changing your life and repenting of all your sins. We are often slanderously accused of that, even by many Baptist people sometimes. Just like Paul was. But what's he talking about here? Okay, because the truth is, he's saying, no, this is this isn't what it's about. Because when we as believers admit that we are sinners, do you realize what we are saying? We are saying consenting that the law is good. We are pleading guilty to God's law. When we admit that we're sinners, we're we're saying God's law is good. And you know what else we're saying? We're saying I am not capable of keeping the law. The, a person who does not try to keep the law to be saved is a person who truly acknowledges how legitimate the law is. Because here's the truth is, the person who says, no, you have to repent of your sins or you have to be a better person in order to be truly be saved. What that person is saying is they're saying certain laws don't really matter. Certain laws aren't really a big deal. Why? Because here, for example, there's a lot of people say, well, if you don't get baptized, then you didn't really get saved. Okay. Fine. So, yeah, I know we're supposed to get baptized, but how about, so if, what about when it comes to losing our temper? Do you think God doesn't care about that? What about pride? Didn't God kick the devil out of heaven because of pride? Isn't that why Lucifer fell? Hey, have you ever had a problem with pride before? So how come you didn't have to repent of that sin? You know, you see what we start doing? We start basically throwing those laws out. Well, I, I know God hates pride and God hates a proud look, but that's not that big a deal. Really? You're just going to throw that law out and act like God doesn't care about that? Those of us who say that we don't have to turn from all those things in order to be saved, we're not saying that, hey, let's go do all those terrible things and still go to heaven. You know what we're doing? We're saying, I can't keep all those laws and all of the law is good. It all matters, and therefore, I am dependent on a Savior. I am dependent on Jesus Christ. And you know what we do? We call on the Lord for salvation. 
But a person who thinks that turning from their sins, all they're doing is picking the laws they think they can keep, and they're trying to be, get salvation by doing those things. Those people are not saved. Those people are rejecting most of the law of God. Every preacher, every Baptist preacher, who teaches that you have to repent of your sins in order to be saved, is throwing out so much law. Because of the fact, anybody who studies the Bible for any length of time is going to figure out, I can't keep all these laws. And if salvation truly is free, and it fits without the deeds of the law, then those things should not be a factor. It, it's probably what the Bible says, and it's just those who are of faith. Those who are just trusting Christ. And nobody, and there, if you come to this church for any length of time, you're going to find out, we don't just tell people, hey, go ahead and sin. You'll still go to heaven. We jump all over sin around here. Big time. I mean, we call that, we, we call names. We're, I mean, we're, we're politically incorrect around here. All right, we're going to call it what it is. All right, it's sin and it's wickedness. And you know what? It'll give you a miserable life. And God will punish you here on this earth. You're not going to be punished in, he- in heaven or in hell. You're going to be punished here on this earth if you live a wicked life. Okay? I don't care how saved you are. If you're a husband and you cheat on your wife, you're going to have a terrible marriage. Alright? It's, it's just the way it's going to be. You'll still go to heaven, but you'll have a terrible marriage on this earth. If you kill somebody, you know, and you get caught, you're going to go to prison. That stinks. Alright? You're not just going to get off scot-free on this earth, but your sins are covered in heaven. Well, I don't think murder. No, murder crosses the line. But then, okay, what about all those other sins? See, you're just throwing those out. You're just picking the sins that you think that you can keep from yourself from doing. You realize you're trusting in yourself. You are not trusting in Jesus Christ. And that's why that teaching is so wrong. And so the truth is, whether you're, whether, whether you're a church-going pillar of the community or a drunk in the gutter, you're still under sin. He says in verse 9, he says, What then? Are we better than they? No and no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that all are under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So listen, we as, you know, American Christians, alright, that still kind of have a Christian culture somewhat, alright, are we better than the heathens? No. You know why? Because we're under sin just like they are. And once again, they seem to have faith better than we do many times. You all see how there is no advantage? There is nothing. You know, we don't need to go just feeling like God shortchanged these people. Do you know how, there's a, let me tell you, there's a lot of Americans that are on their way to hell. And a lot of them are sitting in churches today. Why? Because they are trusting in themselves to get to heaven. They are trusting in their own righteousness. But let me tell you, there's people in some of these other countries, these countries where they're poor, these countries where they, uh, that are very dark countries, you can go over to those countries, missionaries go over there, churches will go, they'll take missions trips in these countries, and they give these people the gospel, and they receive it just like that. I mean, they'll get saved by the hundreds and thousands. And you know what? Those people are going to go to heaven before many, quote-unquote, Christian Americans. Why? Because they have faith and often, often we don't. And so the truth is, you know, the, the problem that re- many religious people have is they just don't see themselves as sinners deserving hell. They don't see that. No, I'm a good person. 
Not compared to God, you aren't. You come short of the glory of God. But you know, the, you know what the biggest problem is that non-religious people have? They don't see themselves as sinners deserving hell either. You realize that? Most, most religious people don't think they deserve hell and most non-religious people don't. When you start telling them about hell, I don't deserve that. Really? Eternity in hell? You know, because of my sin? I haven't been that bad. Why do we think that? We think that way because we're surrounded by unholy people. But we need to understand there is a holy God who's going to judge the world because of sin. He sent His Son to pay for our sin, but we only can benefit from that if we will put our faith and trust in Him. That's the only way. So here, the truth is, God does see religious and non-religious people alike as sinners deserving hell. And you can get offended by that if you want. You can be an American. You can shake your fist at God. You can even go out and have a protest if you want. What do you think Armageddon's going to be? It's going to be the biggest protest that has ever happened. The world's going to finally unite. All the nations are going to unite. All the religions are going to unite. And they're going to go have themselves a big protest. And you know what? Jesus isn't going to back down from that protest. It's going to be a bloodbath that day. And He's going to come and He's going to rule this world in righteousness during that time. He's not going to care about their signs. He's not going to care about their petitions. The only thing He cares about is the Word of God. And these people are going to be in trouble. So the only way to find righteousness is by the righteousness that is without the law and through faith. That This righteousness... It comes to all who believe, no matter who they are. The righteousness is not, it's not attainable for anyone that, that if, it, if it was merit-based, it would not be attainable for anybody. We cannot attain unto righteousness by our own works. None of us can. Whether you grew up in a Christian home, whether you grew up in a Baptist preacher's home like I did, I did not attain any righteousness by my works. None. I had to get saved like a heathen out in the jungle somewhere. I had to get saved the same way. And so what if one culture, one, you know, more of one culture has received salvation than another? Because that's when people get mad. Well, it seems like, seems like more white people accept this than other cultures. So it's still a one color versus another color thing. Well, first of all, it's not. I don't think there's as many white people saved as we think. Alright? But at the same time, who cares? Jesus equally died for all. Jesus equally offers the free gift of salvation to all. And if one some you know one of more culture receives it than another, you know, that's between them and God. This is not America versus another country, or this is not white and black. This is between you and God. This is between individuals and God. Me going to heaven has nothing to do with what family I came from. It has nothing to do with what color I am, what religion I am. It has everything to do with the fact I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. I believed on Him. And so as it turns out, no one gets to boast. Look what it says in verse 26. Verse 3, chapter 3. Do I declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Jesus is just and He is the justifier. I don't justify myself. He justifies me. Where is boasting then? People, people act like I'm bragging when I tell them I know I'm going to heaven. Well, you must really think you're good. Really? You miss the point then. If you think I'm bragging that I know I'm going to heaven, you miss the point of salvation because it says here, where is boasting then? 
It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude. All right, here's the conclusion. He's been dealing with a lot of different objections and a lot of different things. It's like, here's what we conclude. All right, this is, this is the conclusion of it right here. And then I'm concluding with it right here too. Right? Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he all, not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Now, there might be cultures out there, they don't claim that he's their God, but he's their God. He's all our God, whether we like it or not. Seeing it as one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Turns out he saves everybody the same way. And it turns out we're not throwing the law out. This free salvation is not us promoting people sinning and, and still going to heaven. It shows that we actually agree with the law. Those of us who don't believe you have to turn from your sins to be saved, we are the ones that actually agree with the law. We are the ones that actually establish the law and admit that the law is good. But what we're, we're just also honest enough to admit that we can't keep the law. We're not good enough. We're, we're not even going to pretend we're good enough to keep the law. We're going to admit that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And all we can do, all we can do is just trust what He said in Romans 10.13. He said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, what do I need to do? Just ask. If you ask in faith, I'll give it to you. We pray. We ask Him for that salvation. And if you will ask for that free gift of salvation, believing in your heart that God will give it to you, He will give it to you. It will be yours and you will go to heaven because of that. How can you brag on that? I, will, I don't, you can't brag on yourself, but we can brag on God, can't we? We can brag on what Jesus Christ did. Thank God for that. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for all that you've done for us. And dear God, I pray uh, if there's anyone here that's never received that free gift of salvation, Lord, I pray that they will call on you and ask you to uh, come in their heart and be their savior. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll, uh, uh, this will uh, be a help to folks, help us do what we can to spread this message of a free salvation to a lost and dying world. In your name we pray. Amen. We-